everybody, welcome back to episode 8 of the Ramblin' Writers Podcast. I'm Brian Castle, Park Life Communications founder, joined by two of my best little buds in the whole world, Annie Estrakis and Suzette Feller. How are you doing today? You know, I'm good. I'm happy to be back in the studio with two of my favorite people, and it's a Thursday, so that's awesome. I'm also excited to be back in the Czech Republic because I just did a really long plane ride yesterday, so I'm just happy and a little bit jet-lagged. So we've got a couple of fun topics to talk about today. We're going to start off with young Annie, our resident social media queen to talk about a a topic near and dear to her heart, shaking up your social media presence. Um, I know you shook up ours almost a year ago. Annie's been with us about 10 months, and she immediately took over all of our social media work and handles our channels too. And um, Suzette and I both won't ever shut up about what a good job you do. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> You're somebody that easily writes hundreds of social media posts every month, um, including a couple dozen for us, probably. Um, I, I know this because I've done it myself, too. It's really easy to get into a rut, even to the point where you can go from having a job you love to, in any given moment, hating it. Uh, what do you do to... Uh, avoid falling into those kind of creative ruts with the kind of demands that social media puts on you? Um, My best advice is to pace yourself and break up your work. Um, If you try to write like a hundred in one day, if any person is going to get stuck and won't be able to write 100 posts that are all good. Um, But if you try to write maybe like a reasonable amount for yourself, like 15 to 20 posts per day, um, you, you'll find that the quality for each post that you do is a lot better and um, you won't get uh, in like a creative dry spell. Um, I think it's also important to um, make sure that your social media plan isn't too strict. So if you come up with like a really um, precise plan for the whole month of posts that you want to create, um, there's a good chance that you're going to get bored or not have the motivation to do certain types of posts. So um, what I always do is I always um, come up with like a general guide for the posts that I'd like to do for the whole month. And then instead of assigning it like per day, like per date saying on like the fifth, I'm going to do a post about blah, blah, blah. Um, I'll just say I need to do a post about blah, blah, blah one time this month. And it really gives you the space to be more creative and it'll, by not holding yourself to such a strict plan, it'll really help your work. I think that's very smart. Um, I know some of that applies to when we work on longer form content like blog articles, white papers. Um, I've had, you know, I've written personally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles and and white papers. And um, people say like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, and the most important thing is to, I think for creative professionals is not to put this undue burden on yourself to be creative a hundred percent of the time. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody's brains are wired like that. And I'm not, saying I'm anything close to the most special creative person that ever lived, but 
you know, there are days I'm just not feeling it. And so those are the days that I work on stuff like running the business or, you know, getting back with clients and, or trying to drum up new clients, anything that's not, you know, trying to summon my creative flow. Cause I think we kind of need to be replenished uh, and kind of just let that happen naturally. Obviously there's the pressure of deadlines, but if you allow for that in your planning, then that's going to apply with your social media as well. So one thing we've talked about a little bit, the three of us, uh, we thought it'd be cool to talk about here. Um, you're seeing some pretty major brands out there embracing humor uh, in their social media. Um, talk about companies. You know, we've got a couple of examples we want to talk about. I see it all the time, uh, even sports teams now. But you, you've mentioned recently Taco Bell and Old Spice. How are they using uh, humor to their advantage? So I think that the reason um, some companies choose to use humor in their posts is the amount of um, posts that you do that have humor in them. Those posts almost always get more engagement than the dry corporate posts. Um, so I see like a couple of companies that I what I love what they're doing with humor. Um, for instance, Wendy's is um, one of my favorite social media accounts to follow. And all they're, they're, although they're a big company, and um, you, they could easily fall into just doing um, kind of like boring standard types of social posts. Um, they actually have a really um, unique way of interacting with people online. Um, since they cater to their target audience for their social media is kind of like the younger people that grew up with meme culture, um, they end up using a lot of sarcasm and memes and gifs and um, just like funny, sarcastic things in their um, posts. And I think it really helps people to remember them. It helps them to stick out from the thousands and thousands of other companies that are trying to advertise their stuff on social media. And it actually makes them memorable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even an old guy like me, I love Wendy's and I see all this stuff on there. Where I go, oh, I don't even know what that means, but it sure is funny. I'm not as in on the generational in-joke, but like Michael Scott, love an end joke, right? I'd love to be a part of one someday. <laughs> <laughs> so how does, how does working with a social media strategist, and let's, let's be fair, you could have one internally, right? Um, and our clients are, are obviously hiring us to be that externally and your, your expertise just grows in that every single month because you're so dedicated to it. Um, how does, how does that help companies avoid these dreaded ruts? Uh, so it it kind of, it just always helps to have a fresh perspective. Um, if you've been writing for the same company for like five years, doing their social media religiously over like every month for the past five years, there's a good chance that you feel a little bit burnt out and maybe like there isn't any additional content that you can cover. Maybe you feel like there's nothing fresh for you to talk about. Um, but if you have someone new come in that hasn't been writing for you, it really does help for them to they'll look at your company and see what makes it special. And they'll be able to communicate it in a new way because they haven't been doing it for such a long time that they'll be able to repurpose um, 
maybe like even just use old content and rephrase it. And it'll be a lot more interesting than just doing the same thing every month, which is what people really do get into the habit of. I think it's a natural human behavior. It's kind of like that phenomenon where you're, you know, like you see somebody who's inside their own head too much, you know, like you see a, yeah. it can be a sports star going through a slump. It can be somebody who's been contracted to give a speech and they've got butterflies and stage fright because all those voices in their heads are telling them you're not good enough. You're going to screw this up. And in this case, what I see companies doing, like they think, Oh, they're not, people aren't interested in that. Nobody wants to hear that from us or, you know, they're just inside their own heads too much. And sometimes they need an external person helping them tell the story and going, nobody's out there saying that like for you. Yeah. You might've been doing that 10 years, but it's special in the marketplace and it's time to revisit it. Exactly. They can kind of give you like a new perspective. Yeah. Thank you, Annie, um, for your expertise, your wisdom and your willingness to be like Danielson and wax on, wax off and get a little bit better at your craft every single month. It shows in the quality of your work. And I think you're a perfect person to be giving this kind of advice to people. Oh, thank you, Brian. That is so sweet. I just broke my own rule of sweetness. If you're enjoying Ramblin' Writers, check out our other podcasts. Visit our website at parklifecom.com and head over to Insights to hear more. That's P-A-R-K-L-I-F-E-C-O-M-M.com. All right, back from the break. Now we're going to talk about an oracular spectacular. I'll back with Suzette Feller to talk about marketing budgets and best practices. And we promise that won't be as boring as the title sounds. Yes, I think it'll actually be um, helpful and practical. Things that people are always looking for on podcasts. In your recent article on this subject uh, of maximizing a small marketing budget, you, Suzette, recommend that businesses stick to their strengths. What are you talking about there? What does that mean? Why is it important? I'm talking about not stretching yourself too thin by trying to do too much across a whole bunch of social media channels. So a lot of marketing advice online focuses on um, kind of advising people to like create a profile on everything, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. It's just like a a lot of advice online will tell you that you need to have a presence across all of these platforms. And while that may be effective for larger companies, it's very impractical for most small businesses who often in our experience are struggling to even find the time for one Facebook page. Um, and one thing that we always say at Park Life is that it's always better to not do something at all than to do it half-heartedly when it comes to social media. So having a dead social media profile, whether it's 
you know, a dead Twitter or a dead Instagram, it makes your business look kind of unprofessional and sad and like, you know, where did you go? So it's just better if you're not going to have time to invest in really building a robust and regular, consistent social media presence, then it's best to just opt out of that platform altogether. Um, so sticking to your strengths means, you know, let's say that your business does really well on LinkedIn, but you have like, you've been stuck at four followers on Instagram for like two years, just ditch the Instagram, you know, focus on LinkedIn. You'll get a higher ROI. It'll just be a better use of your time. And, um, it is just wise for small businesses to kind of stick to what works for them. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, if you know any small business owner, myself included, there are rarely times where they're not challenged by stretching themselves too too thin. And so this is a great way to just do that <laughs> um, with one aspect of your business. And so if you can, uh, you know, and, and, and like, you know, it's great advice. Like, Nobody is out there looking for your accounting firm on Instagram. You know, nobody is out there looking for your fintech company on Snapchat. (laughs) Exactly. If, uh, you know, all, all of the major brands that have endless budget and have armies of internal and external people for everything they do. Yeah. I mean, they could have, five annies working on their social media or 10. Um, they can have somebody who specializes in, you know, visual channels like Pinterest or Instagram and other people doing their B2B stuff on LinkedIn. So it's, it's for, for our clients, the small and mid-sized businesses, it's going to be extremely rare that you need to, look at doing that. And like you said, the, the whole theme of this conversation is playing within, you know, your strengths and, and doing a lot with a little. Right. Um, a little right. More right. Right. And, you know, we sort of wrote sister articles this month. They are on different topics, but they're very much related. Um, you wrote uh, about why, small businesses are often better off hiring a team of marketing agency experts. And that sort of ties back to sticking to your strengths. So why is that usually the better route to go for many small to mid-sized businesses? I'm actually going to be writing another piece on this topic and I'm, I've already named it. It's going to be called, no, it doesn't take a village. Um, and what I mean by that, I'm being a little glib, but with every single company that's ever come to us or left us has thought they could do this, like the CEO will chip in and the head of sales and the marketing person, often sales and marketing are the same person in this world. Um different people who are in the company who are interested in social media. Well, the, the common thread and all of that is uh, whether you're talking social media or marketing or advertising or whatever, podcasting, all the stuff we can do for people, 
All those people in your village have other jobs. Almost none of them will have this in their job description. So guess what? It's the bottom freaking thing, no matter how excited they are about it, no matter how excited you are about it. There's, they've, they've, they've got that history of applied pressure, you know, where your salesperson, she knows she's got to make those sales numbers. Um, I've got clients right now. We have clients here right now who are still kind of trying this. They're trying to involve different people a little too heavily. And those kind of people always delay stuff ends up not getting done. Um, and, and it hurts the process and thus the outputs because they're living and dying by other things. Um, so I, I think if you're going to try to accomplish a lot with a small budget, you need people whose minds are trained to be uber efficient. You do things that make it easy on your partner and then they'll do a lot to make it easy on you to where on any given task. I mean, our goal is to, if something takes an hour to do for somebody, I don't want them investing more than five or 10 minutes on that with us. If it takes 200 hours, I might need a few hours of their time along different junctures of the project. But yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, like can you tell? Yes. <laughs> so let's wrap up with another aspect on this, Suzette. So what in your mind is, is the big difference maker? You know, when you're at, when you're a small mid-sized company or working with a partner, you know, especially with, with regard to budget and your bottom line, as far as executing your marketing plans. Well, time is money. And when you're trying to handle all that marketing stuff yourself internally, that can actually end up hurting your bottom line because everyone is stretched way too thin and often is forced to take time away from their regular job duties. So working with a marketing partner, not only does it allow your employees to focus on the most important parts of their job without having to take time away from that to do social media or do blogging or whatever, but also since a marketing partner is going to have that expertise, they're going to create content that's stronger, that produces higher return on investment and gets you better engagement. So, you know, not only are they going to just be the best route as far as who's most qualified to do that job, um, but they're also just going to ensure that your employees can dedicate the necessary time to just kind of keep your organization running as, as normal. Well, let's give, let's give our listeners an example. Uh, you know, we are, I like telling people, you know, there's no award for small business thought leadership marketing out there. So it's arguable about who the best writers and podcasters, graphic designers, who that is. What I, what I think makes us valuable, like you said, being able to generate consistent work with quality, but also doing this a long time 
I, I've been on this road close to 12 years now. You've been with me for a third of that journey. And we get smarter at how we do this stuff all the time. Um, you know, a good example to share. Um, we like to start a lot of things with video content. We'll get somebody to company on camera um, talking for 45 minutes, an hour, and sometimes as, as little as 30 minutes. And then we take that. We now have some cool software that can transcribe all of that in a matter of seconds or minutes. And then we can edit that and chop it into a bunch of print articles, excerpt it for really cool social media graphics. Um, and that person on staff, it would have taken them hours to do all that. And we've made that process. We've probably cut the amount of time they would spend probably by 60, 70% and to generate stuff of consistent quality that makes sense. And that's just one example. Uh, but I think, I think we get paid to do good work and do it efficiently. And we're always trying to think and rethink on those things. Right. Right. Well, that wraps another sterling edition of the Ramblin' Writers podcast. Thanks for joining us. I hope you like listening to Suzette and Annie as much as I do. Tune in next time. I think we're going to have a special guest for our next podcast. We invite you to listen to all of our episodes to learn more about what small marketing agencies do for their uh, small and mid-sized business clients. Um, thank you both, uh, Suzette and Annie, for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Brian. If you'd like to keep up with what we're doing at Park Life, including new podcast episodes and blog posts, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at parklife.com with two M's. That's P-A-R-K-L-I-F-E-C-O-M-M. -M. Until next time.